Happy Halloween. This world is a strange one. This is exciting. It's Halloween, my favorite holiday. It's also my birth month, but I'm trying not to let that get me down. So I put together one big video of new Halloween-related stories. So if you're ready to be scared, I say we dive right in. P.S. I know it's not Halloween yet, but people are gonna be watching this on Halloween. So calm down and enjoy. Number one, the camera that pictured more than a window. Submitted by Zero. This happened when I was young. I don't remember my exact age at the time. It was October and my dad asked my brothers and I what we wanted to do for Halloween. I said something scary, maybe a haunted house. He took it into consideration. Then on the day of Halloween, he took us on his ghost tour. We went up to this building where the tour guides would be and a short lady stood beside a sign. She was obviously our tour guide. We waited for everybody else to get there before it all began. The group began walking along the street. As the lady took us to sites that were supposed to be haunted, I rolled my eyes here and there in disbelief. I've always thought the whole haunted thing was fun, but bogus. I just thought the whole thing was a cash game, especially when she scared someone in our group to get a reaction. But my mind would soon be swayed as we reached a black metal fence with a bright white house behind it. The woman went on to talk about how it was supposedly haunted, how a girl who was not that old had died in the house from a disease in the 1900s. She also pointed to a window and said people who have taken pictures there of that window would often see her ghost because beyond that window was apparently the room she had passed away in. I smirked, of course I didn't believe it, and being arrogant enough to want to prove her wrong, I took out my camera that I'd gotten for my birthday and zoomed in on that very window. I snapped a picture and waited for it to come up on the screen. When it did though, I froze. It was in bright red tint and someone was standing there in the window. I stared down at that picture on my phone, trying to think of reasons why the picture came out weird, not wanting to admit that it really might have been the ghost, but I failed to convince myself. It was so detailed, someone was standing in that window, someone who wasn't there when I snapped the shot. I ran over to show my dad, and when I handed him the phone and he looked at it, he said, I don't see anything. And when I pulled the phone away to look, the red tint was gone and the figure beyond the window was no longer there. Things don't just disappear into thin air, especially a solitary photo. I stepped back and took another picture of the window, but this one, it turned out normal to my dismay. No matter how many more pictures I took, I couldn't get the same effect. Nevertheless, it scared me pretty bad. I didn't get very good sleep for a few days. I used to be one of those people that didn't believe in ghosts or spirits, but I know what I saw. It's one of the things that made me finally believe that these things could be real. Number two, Scary Night Patrol, submitted by 
Mitchell H. When I was younger, my uncle was a cop. He'd often come over to our house, telling us stories of how he busted another baddie or something along the lines of that. One Halloween, my brother and I asked him if he had any scary experiences as a cop. He looked at us with a kind of pale face and said, yeah, if you'd really like to hear it, I can tell you to, but you have to promise you won't tell your mother. We knew we had struck gold, so we excitingly nodded and sat down near the fireplace. Nothing's better than a scary story on Halloween night. He begins, one night about 10 p.m., when I was rostered to work, I got a text from my boss saying my partner was very sick and would be off work for a while. It would take a day or two to be assigned a temporary partner, and I said it'd be okay until then to work alone. I didn't mind. It gave me some time to think, so I got to work that night, clocked in, grabbed my gun and car keys, then went out to the lot to hop into my patrol car. I noticed that the fuel gauge was pretty low, so I just called my boss and said I'd fill it up later and ask to be reimbursed. That was usually how it went. I went along my merry way to begin my patrol, thinking I'd fill up the gas in about an hour or so. The patrol was completely normal for that hour, but it was soon time to fill up so I pulled into the fuel station and began to fill up the patrol car. As I was about halfway done, I noticed a man dressed in ragged clothes. He was walking past the station while whispering to himself. I couldn't tell exactly what he was saying, but it still kind of creeped me out. I mean, he hadn't done anything wrong, so I didn't want to just go and question him. I just finished filling up, went inside and paid for my fuel. Finally leaving the gas station, I drove in the direction of the man that was walking, just out of pure curiosity, but I didn't see him. I drove for nearly two miles in that direction along those streets. I was beginning to think that maybe he just wandered off into the bush. I started to put my mind at ease, but right then, I saw him coming up in the headlights. Again, I was nearly two miles away from the station now. This didn't make any sense, how could he have gotten so far away in only a few short minutes on foot? He was on the side of the road, walking away from me. His hands were fidgeting, and he was covered in those same ragged clothes. There was no mistaking it. It was the same guy. Even as I got closer and rolled my window down, I could hear that same whispering coming from him, even from over the car's engine. As I drove past, I kept looking at him, I wanted to get a better look at his face. I wanted to make sure he was okay and not hopped up on dangerous drugs. For all I knew, he could have been a danger to himself and others. But when I slowly passed him and I saw his face, I was far more than disturbed. That face, it was solid white, like a bedsheet, and his eyes were glossed over like a pair of clear marbles in his eye sockets. No pupil, no veins, just white. His appearance shocked me so much, I naturally looked in the rear view, and I was horrified when I saw him running at full sprint, keeping up with my car, which had now accelerated to about 40 miles an hour. 
I turned my lights on, slammed on the brakes, and I spun around reaching for my gun, ready to get out of the car and nothing. There was no one there. The man, he had somehow vanished. My body was covered in goosebumps. I reholstered my weapon, turned the lights off, and returned to my route. As you could imagine, I never told anyone about this, as everyone would have just laughed. So I've kept it pretty much to myself. I saw something out of this world that night, something that didn't have very good intentions. And that's my uncle's story. I've asked about it ever since we heard it, and to this day, he has never found out what it was that he saw. He can't seem to make a theory up of what makes sense to him, but he does know that he's thankful that he hasn't run into that man again. Stay safe this Halloween, and keep your eyes out for the man with the white eyes. Number three. Halloween Terror, submitted by Isabella. I was around 11 years old, and it was Halloween night. The sky was an ominous shade of dark gray, and the moon was barely visible. I would never forget that night. As with most people our age, every year I went trick-or-treating with my friends. We would walk around one of their neighborhoods with pillowcases, asking the local residents for candy. One of my friends was named Ashley. She lived in a gated community, so my parents felt it was very safe to be trick-or-treating where she lived. Besides, the parents would stay close to us wherever we went, whichever house we wanted to go to, so we never really thought about how safe we were or weren't. We went from house to house asking for candy as usual and just had a really good time. It was beginning to get late, but we were determined to go to as many houses as possible before the parents decided it was time to head back. And as soon as my friend's younger siblings began to complain, I knew the time was coming soon. They were tired and wanted to go back home. The parents were about to turn back and call it a night, but my friends and I begged them to let us trick-or-treat just a few more houses. They were skeptical about this because Emily's parents were pretty overprotective, but they decided we were finally old enough to walk a few blocks back to Ashley's house by ourselves. It was the same neighborhood, and she didn't live that far away, within shouting distance for sure. As soon as they let us off the hook, we thought this was going to be the best night of our lives. No parents and plenty of candy. Little did I know how wrong we were. After the next few houses, our pillowcases were going heavier and heavier until it felt like we were lugging around bags of rocks. Ugh, I don't want to carry it anymore. Why don't we just head back, guys? We have enough candy in here to last us for months, Ashley said, dropping our pillowcase and sitting down on the cold sidewalk. Oh, come on. Halloween only comes once a year, and this is the first year we've been alone. One more house, then we'll go back to yours, Emily coaxed. She picked up her bag of candy and plopped it into her lap. Fine, one more, then let's go back, Ashley groaned. We walked a little while, looking for any houses to walk up to and ask for candy, but I guess it was super late, as we didn't see another house with their lights on. I was a little disappointed because we had to go back, 
but I guess our parents would be worried if we didn't head back now, I thought. As we walked back, we began to notice a dark-colored SUV slowly following behind us. At first, we thought they were just looking for their kids who might've gotten lost in the neighborhood. I've seen it happen time and time again on Halloween. But as we walked for what seemed like 20 minutes, the car turned every turn we did and it seemed like it was tailing us. When we stopped, it would stop. And when we walked slowly, it trailed behind us even slower. We were just about to turn to Ashley Street when the SUV sped up and was now right beside us. A disgustingly greasy old man poked his head out and smiled at us. It was a rotten toothy grin. His eyes were so pale, he looked like he was blind. You girls look nice tonight, the man said in a croaky voice. He looked us up and down, and I felt like I was going to throw up, especially when he licked his top lip. Uh, thank you, Emily could barely say. She was obviously creeped out. You wanna hop in? I can give you kids a ride wherever you need to go. He motioned his hand to the hidden back seat of the SUV. Terrified now, the three of us looked at each other. We knew what we had to do. We took off in a run towards Ashley's house. We could see it. I felt adrenaline pump through me. I felt like I ran a little faster than I ever did before that night. Her house seemed so close, yet so far away. But that SUV was still behind us, that creepy old man still behind the wheel. I didn't dare look back, even as the sound of its engines got closer. All I had to imagine was that man's nasty old breath breathing down my neck and it motivated me through the anxiety and pain. As soon as we got in her front yard, we heard the SUV's tires peel out. The man burned rubber away from us, and we heard him throw a curse in our direction, something disgusting that I'd rather not say. As soon as we ran through her front door, the three of us broke down simultaneously. The parents were sitting on the couch, placidly drinking wine, until we barged in. Now they were hovering over us, holding us close and trying to get answers out of us. We explained everything, and Ashley's mother immediately called the cops. The police said they would scan the neighborhood, looking for the black SUV. The awful part about this was that nothing ever came of it. No one found the man and his creepy black SUV. I guess the moral of the story is, Halloween is a fun night, but that's no reason not to be safe and watch your children closely. Number four, Jerk Clown, submitted by Maiden of Death Roses. I was 17 and this was the Halloween of 2016. It was supposed to be my last year of trick-or-treating I look a lot younger than I really am. I've had people tell me that I look 14 at most. It always made me self-conscious. I didn't want to look young. I wanted to look mature. But as it was Halloween, I thought it was the perfect time to take advantage of that fact and get as much candy as I possibly could. I was going alone that year. 
I never even thought twice about it being dangerous. I mean, I was nearly an adult, and I believed I could handle myself in any situation, but I was definitely wrong. Now, if you do recall, late last year, there was that rash of people wearing clown getups. They tried to vandalize, scare, and hurt people. I lived in Arizona, and we didn't get a lot of that, not even on the news, so it was something that hadn't even crossed my mind at the time. If I was going to see a clown on the street, it was just a fellow trick-or-treater to me. Anyway, the night went by really well. People were generous with their candy that year. It was like a diabetic gold rush. And at that point, I was walking up to maybe my seventh house. I soon saw that they had their garage door up. I took a quick look to see if they had anything set up. Maybe they had some Halloween decorations and displays. It was pretty dark and it was hard for me to see inside the garage, but I didn't see anything. It was just really dark in there. I thought it was a bit weird that they'd leave their garage door open like that, especially with so many people out and about. I shook it off and went to the front door. I was thinking that maybe they didn't know they left it open, and when they came to the door, I could just tell them. I got to the front porch, and before I could even knock or ring the doorbell, I heard a very strange noise coming from beside me. I turned in that direction, and I saw a clown coming out of the garage. It really startled me, so I put my hand in my pocket and gripped my pepper spray. He slowly began to walk closer to me. Uh, uh, hi, I managed to say. The guy just cocked his head like a curious dog and took another step closer to me. I began to walk away from the porch, ready to use both my pepper spray and bag of candy as weapons. When he was maybe seven or eight yards away from me, he sprinted towards me, and all too late did I see what he had in his hand. It appeared to be a machete. Now, I know what you're thinking. It's Halloween. People are just pulling scary pranks on one another, and this is what I thought, but that didn't stop me from being scared for my own life. Before I turned to run, my foot caught on something on the ground, probably a rock, and I fell onto my bottom. But during my fall, I whipped out the pepper spray and dropped my bag of candy. Feeling desperate, feeling like a cornered animal, I sprayed the guy right in the face. Immediately, a lot of his makeup began to melt off of him, and he dropped his machete. It landed sideways on the ground as he grabbed at his eyes. He was obviously in pain, he yelled a couple of curse words in my direction, then turned around and ran away. But he didn't run back into the garage or back to that house. Instead, he jumped the fence to a completely different house. I stood up and saw him running, and he just kept jumping fences from house to house. That was weird. If it was a guy pulling a prank, I figured he would be in this neighborhood. I definitely assumed that he lived at that very house but apparently he didn't. As I stood there, a little bit shaky, I began to laugh to myself. Freaking pranksters, I mumbled. I shook my head and walked over to the machete on the ground, and I picked it up, fully expecting it to be a plastic toy that weighed only a few ounces. Yet, when I lifted it off the ground, my eyes widened. It wasn't a toy. The thing weighed 15, 20 pounds. It was heavy in my hand. I touched the blade, and it was cold steel. I dropped it right then and there, 
and I began to power walk back to my house. Candy wasn't worth this. Back at home, I told my parents the story and they made me call the cops. They kept an eye out in our neighborhood for the rest of the evening, but there was no sign of that man in the clown getup. I don't care if his intentions really were to prank people. You don't do that with a real weapon because now I know there was a chance, a chance that he really did want to hurt me, a chance that the people at that house were in danger and unluckily for me, I was the first person to get a little too close. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's journey for free today on iOS and Android. Number five, I think my neighbor made a goat man. Submitted by Garrison L. I live in a small country town in Idaho. In front of our house, there is a thick patch of woods. And to the right, my grandparents and a field but to the left, there's a couple of other houses. If you go down further across the field, there's a large patch of land owned by an old creepy man, and everyone in the neighborhood suspects he's up to something. There's a rumor saying that he kills anyone who comes onto his land, and he feeds what's left to his animals. Another rumor says that he does experiments on his animals, making them into horrifying things. Now, every year close to Halloween, a group of kids will go to his house and dare each other to step foot on his land. I never really believed the rumors. They were all too far-fetched to me, but it was still fun to go out there and get ourselves good and scared. That year for Halloween, me and my friends decided that we would go to his house and fool around. So after school, me and my friends Jake, Carson, Liam, and Henry all made plans to go over to his house. We all agree on a time, and we say goodbye after school and head our separate ways. Jake and Liam live near each other, so they usually walk home together. Carson gets a ride, and me and Henry walk over to his house. To the right of Henry's house are the very woods I mentioned before, and sometimes we would mess around in them before I had to go home. We get to his house, and I'm about to say goodbye to him to go to my place when we both begin to hear the nearby bushes rustling 
Henry, being the scaredy cat he was, just said a quick goodbye and ran inside and locked the doors. I shook my head and laughed, thanking him sarcastically under my breath for leaving me with whatever's in those woods. I take off through the field, full sprint, heading towards my house. Once I arrive, I wait until it's time to go and then head off. I couldn't wait for the scary evening to begin. We all met up at Henry's to gather supplies. Jake and Liam were the last to show up, and when they did arrive, they were carrying some bags. When we left Henry's house, away from his parents, they finally showed us what was in them. It was tons of toilet paper. We laugh and decide we're ready to go. We cut through the field, trying to be as sneaky as possible, staying out of eyesight of the old man. We weren't sure if he was always looking through his windows or if he was in bed already, but it was best to just be cautious. His house is surrounded by a lot of trees, so it's hard to get good vision of the whole place. Soon we come to the end of the field. If we take another step, we'll be completely out of hiding, but we'll finally be at the old man's house. And of course, we're all too creeped out to step out first. So we start daring each other, and finally, Liam decides to be the brave one. He steps towards the house, and immediately, the rest of us follow. We look around nervously, but seeing that we really were alone, and that the lights were off in the man's house, we got a little too stupid and brave. We started throwing rocks at each other and his house. We even threw a few at the empty shed in his backyard. We were just begging to be caught. I'm sorry, we were just a bunch of dumb kids. We pulled out some toilet paper and began to throw it all over the trees and anything around his house. We then put a few rolls over his place before finally moving on to the man's barn. We've never seen it up close before. We've never seen it from this angle either because apparently on the side of the barn, you couldn't see from a distance. There was a massive hole in the wall. It looked almost like a meteorite had barreled through the wood of it. We walk over to the hole and we peer inside the barn. The place is totally wrecked as if some angry person had gone inside and wrecked the place. Jake walks over to the corner past the hole. The moment he turns his head around it, we hear him say, oh crap, then he runs back towards us. He says there's someone around the corner. He says that we've been spotted. Curiously, I walk over to the corner myself and peer around, but all I saw was the horned head of a goat. It peered at me, chewing on some grass, then pulled itself away to the other side of the barn. I laughed. Jake, man, I called out to him. It's just a goat but Jake had a confused and worried expression on his face. That's not right. I know what I saw. They were walking around out there. It was definitely a human silhouette, someone walking around on two legs, not a goat feasting on the grass. We go back as a group and look around the corner, and anything that was there before is now gone. Henry, the guy who always expects the worst, starts freaking out, saying that we should just leave and never come back. Getting a little freaked out myself, I decide that that's probably a good idea. Besides, we already finished what we came there for. But as we start moving, Liam stops in his tracks. He's staring at something ahead of us. We ask what's wrong, and he points his finger to one of the buildings of the old man's, and soon, 
we see what he's seeing. It's definitely the silhouette of a person. My stomach sank as I realized the old man had caught us. We were red-handed, and I, for one, didn't want to find out if the rumors were true. I watched as he came towards us, but before any of us could take off in a dead sprint, there was something about the old man's silhouette that seemed wrong in the way his footsteps sounded. They weren't light footsteps of a person. It was more like a heavy and pronounced clop. Thanks to the dim moonlight, I think we all finally, at the same time, realized that we weren't looking at the old man. We weren't looking at a person at all. What was charging toward us was some creature with the head and feet of a goat, but it was running at us like a man. Henry screams. I will never not recognize Henry's scream, but that one was different. It was deeper. It was more true in a way. I'd never heard anyone so scared, and I had never felt so scared. Unfortunately, when we did take off, making a run for it, we had no plan, so we ended up bolting in different directions. I make it to the nearby shed and cower behind it, trying to see if that thing had managed to follow me. Soon enough, some of the others were piling up behind me. It made me feel a little better, knowing that some of the others managed to follow me, especially in our state of panic. I peeked around the corner, and I couldn't see the goat thing. This really scared me. I had no idea where it was, and I felt like it could pop up around any corner at any moment. Eventually, after a few minutes, we step away from our hiding place, and after seeing that the coast was clear, I do a head count. I was happy to see that it was almost the whole crew, except Liam was missing. And almost right away after I realized that, we heard his scream. It was coming from the barn. That idiot, I thought. He decided to hide in the barn away from this thing. That means he was cornered. I was sure that the barn doors were locked up, meaning that hole in the side of it was the only way to get in and out. So Liam had managed to get himself trapped. We run to the barn and arrive at the hole. It's quiet, extremely quiet. Once you step inside that barn, you can't see a thing not even your own hand in front of you. It wasn't like that before. I glanced up to the sky to see that it had become overcast. The moon was now completely covered. Crap, I thought. Liam was in there, and we had to get him out. Liam, Henry called, which was surprising, considering he wasn't the bravest of the group. Henry? We hear a voice inside. It nearly sounds like Liam's but it was different enough to keep us from stepping foot inside that barn. Please help me. The voice comes again, and now I'm completely sure. That's not Liam. Hey, we hear a voice coming from beside us, and peeking around the corner is Liam. He was never in the barn. Chills went up my spine, and I'm sure everyone else felt the same way when we all realized the voice coming from within the darkness of that barn, it wasn't any of ours. The group was finally together. We turn around, facing towards Henry's house, and we take off. Not seconds later, we heard those same clopping footsteps from before. 
but I didn't turn around. I don't think any of us did. I didn't want to see that thing again. I just wanted to be back home, and I wanted to be safe. We make it into the field in one piece, and the further we run away from the old man's house, the more the sounds of the footsteps behind us dissipate, and soon they were gone altogether. Still, though, we don't stop running until we're inside Henry's house. We all call for our rides. None of us are going to walk home after that, especially in separate directions. When I get picked up and I finally make it back home, I do feel a little better, but I know that I'm not going to get any sleep that night. Before heading to bed and staying up to watch TV all night with the windows closed, I do peek out of one of the windows before I shut the blinds. I see something I'll never forget. Reflecting yellow eyes, maybe six feet off the ground. They're reflecting off of the moon that's been revealed in the sky once more. I stare into them and they stare right back. I blink and when my eyes open again, the yellow eyes were gone. I quickly close the blinds and hide myself under the covers with the TV still playing. My group of friends and I have never seen anything like that ever again and I couldn't be happier about it. I'm not really sure what we saw that Halloween, but I'm just going to keep on pretending that things like that can't exist in our world. But deep down, I know I'm wrong. Number six, I think I saw a vortex, submitted by Gothica One. I'm pretty sure I saw some sort of vortex or portal. I can't really tell you for sure what it was, but it was definitely unusual and a bit creepy. Certainly a sort of glitch in the matrix type of experience. Sure enough, the first time I had this experience was on Halloween of 2014. I was working my retail job, and like most places in the small town USA, we were grossly short-staffed and even as a manager, I had to do multiple people's jobs. That day, I was gathering carts. It wasn't a big deal. I can push them better than our actual cart person. He's a bit lazy, so it was probably better this way. It was late and near closing time for the store. Because of this, all the carts had to come in for the night, so I was pretty happy about it. I was ready to go home and enjoy my Halloween. There were barely any carts in the parking lot, making my job much easier, and most of the entire town was closed already for the evening. Now, I have a thing for looking up at the moon. It always seems to make me happy and refreshed. I don't know why. I don't question it, though. As I was pulling in the last of the carts, that's what I did. I walked through the empty parking lot, looking up at the bright moon. Now, there was a forest nearby, very close to our building, and something inside me was screaming at me to look in that direction, so I found myself glancing in the tree line here and there, then looking back up at the moon. Suddenly, knots began to form in my stomach, not nervous knots. This was something else. It felt like someone had punched me in the gut, and then I felt this electrical feeling around me, the way you do when it's about to storm. There were no clouds in the sky though. 
I looked back at the tree line once more, looking for the source of what was making me feel this way. I was looking for something that I couldn't see. And then suddenly, it happened. A single blue purple light appeared high above the trees and hovered there. After a few seconds, it dropped suddenly and made a hook shape that faded from that blue purple to red. Then the thing just popped and it was gone. I stood there, that strange electrical feeling going away. I was more perplexed than I'd ever been. Something didn't feel right about those woods. Fast forward to December of 2016. I had put that moment from 2014 in the back of my mind, but every once in a while, it still surfaced. You know how things like that do. You have no answers, and it just bothers you over and over whenever you did remember it. Now, I no longer worked at that store or anywhere near my town. I worked on the outskirts of a city that overlooked uninhabited marshland. I left work in good spirits one day and was talking with my coworker, Pete. It was late and all the lights from our work were out, so the only light now was in the far distance of the city, below where our work was. All of a sudden, that strange feeling from those years ago came back. My stomach was in terrible knots and it felt like a current was moving through me. Pete continued on as normal. He walked over to his car and got in, but I stopped. Whatever this feeling was, it was wanting me to look over out over the marshlands. It wanted me to stare into that complete darkness. When I did, there it was. That same strange purple-blue light just popped into existence out of nowhere. It hovered for several seconds, then dropped like before, going from purple to red, then it popped and was gone, leaving me with a feeling of dread, like something bad was about to happen, that I needed to get home right away. I never told anyone about this at the time. I knew what they'd say. It was just some swamp gas, a shooting star, or firework, and trust me, that's not what it was. As I stood there staring in the darkness still, I heard a commotion to my right. Pete had slammed his car door shut and was running over to me. He was frantic, asking me if I had just seen that. I was kind of relieved that I wasn't the only one anymore. I told him I had seen it, and I told him it wasn't the first time. For another 15 minutes, we stood there, he couldn't stop freaking out. Our boss soon came out of the building and saw us both standing there. Pete ran over to him, telling him we'd just seen a UFO or something, and I'm not sure he believed either of us. I went home that day and I thought about it. I was eager now to talk more to Pete the next night, but to my annoyance and anger, when I did ask Pete the next day about what had happened the night before, he acted confused. When I reminded him of the encounter, he said he had no idea what I was talking about. The expression on his face was genuine too. He was very much confused and didn't remember. He said he remembered getting into his car, then coming out to talk to me about work, and then eventually he just drove away. Now I was panicking. That's not what happened. I even said that to him. I explained to him what really happened the night before. But he denied it. 
why would someone going home suddenly decide to come back out of their vehicle just to talk about work? Eventually, he grew tired of my conversation and said that that's what he remembered. He didn't know why we remembered different things, and then he set about to do his job. To this day, I don't know if Pete decided that he just didn't want to talk about it, or if for some reason, he didn't remember, but I know I never will, because whatever that was, or whatever it is, I feel like I'm going to see it again soon, probably next year. I can't shake that feeling, and again, I don't know why. Number seven, Lover's Halloween Creeper, submitted by Anton Nightworker. I was 17, living in England. I was dating a girl named Beth. It was Halloween night, and it was a little cold and a bit foggy outside. That night, Beth and I met up in Sheffield, near where she lived. We spent a few hours together, just messing about, when she said it'd be fun to go to the park nearby. This park was like a massive playing field. It had football pitch lines marked out with a bench or two around the outside, and at the back of these benches, there was wood, so it was so quiet, there was no sound there whatsoever. Beth took off her jacket, and I placed it on the bench. We sat down, and me and Beth began to kiss, and one thing led to another. Suddenly, I heard the sound like someone walking through leaves. We both stopped, and I asked, what was that? She said that she didn't hear anything, so we ignored it. But not a minute later, I definitely hear the sound of a snapping stick. I stopped and looked around. This time, we both heard it. It was over in the distance, and creepy enough, we saw the outline of a tall man. He was trying to be as quiet as possible as he walked over towards us, and the closer he got, the more I could tell how tall he was. He was easily six and a half feet, a massive man, and a creepy sight to behold at this time of night. He was carrying something in his hand and looked like a large, heavy bag that could have been carrying balls of some sort. Whatever was in the bag was heavy and round for sure. We jumped up and ran into the nearby woods as fast as we could, and by this time, the woods sounded alive. You could hear owls and all sorts of bugs had made everything a little bit more creepy. We ran until we got out of the woods when we remembered that we had left Beth's jacket out there, and there was no way we were going back, not yet anyway. So I gave her my jacket and I walked her home. And on the way there, we tried to figure out what had happened. The next day, when we went back together to get her jacket, it was gone. And we could only assume that that man had taken it. He was the only person around, the only person that would have been around on a Halloween night. So if he really did take it, what did he want with it? Who was he? And what was he carrying around in his sloshy bag? Number eight, Hallow's Eve Nightmare, submitted by Zara Leakes. On Halloween back in late 2015, I hosted a sleepover with two of my friends, Scarlett and May. May was timid and jumpy, 
but Scarlet was always the confident one. Anyway, we met up around 3 p.m. and set up a tent in my back garden. It was a pretty nice one and had a carpet and a cozy place to hang out in. We set it up next to the back gate, which at the time was old and rotting. And when standing next to it, the average adult stood two feet over it. We all went trick-or-treating after we set everything up. It was around seven by then. We met up with some other friends and generally had a really good time. We went back home around 10 p.m. And with the British weather being kind, it was dry all evening. And thankfully, the neighborhood was pretty nice. So it was very peaceful that evening. We roasted marshmallows, played truth or dare, then finally laid down to sleep when it was pitch black out. The fairy lights in the garden barely illuminated anything, so it didn't bother us much. Out of nowhere, in the middle of the night, something woke us up. It was a creaking sound coming from the back gate. May shot up from her drowsy state. Did you guys hear that? She asked in a frightened tone. And just as she said that, we heard a cough coming from someone outside the tent. We were full alert now. Scarlet covered May's mouth in case she was going to scream as we listened to the silent night. When the deep throaty voice came, we almost jumped out of our skins. You kids want some candy? A hoarse voice called to us. It sounded like an old man, someone who had smoked way too much in their lifetime. The rattling came from the gate again. Come on, I know you're in there. The voice called out. Tears formed in May's eyes, and I couldn't move. It was like my 13-year-old self was paralyzed. Scarlet looked at me and nodded. She showed me her fingers and counted down. That was when we were going to run. When she hit zero, we all made a mad dash back inside the house. I'll never remove that image from my mind. When I turned around, standing at my gate, I saw the man. He had gray, long hair. His beard was matted and disgusting, and he had the most horrific look on his face. It was like pure evil. He looked hungry, but not like a person, but more like a starving predator, as if he wanted to harm us that very moment. The bolt on the gate luckily was a cross, and as he tried, he couldn't get in. But behind those bars on top of my gate, I saw something gleaming in his hand. A butcher knife. There was no mistaking it. I gagged in fear as I saw it, and as we made it to the back door, I turned the key and we ran up to my mother's room. She didn't believe us at first, but after looking out of her window, she ushered us inside, locked her door, and called a 999, which is our 911. I then heard knocking on my front door. He must have gone around to it, I thought to myself, but the knocking soon turned to banging, and I heard the old man cussing from just outside. When she heard the sirens, she got off the phone. And then I heard a single curse coming from the man before he stomped away. His footsteps disappeared into the distance when we heard a police car pull up. They never saw the man, therefore they never caught him. They didn't find him even after we gave all our statements. That quickly ruined our Halloween 
and we all slept in the living room after that, or rather, we pretended to sleep. Number nine, Clowns at the Car Wash, submitted by Coez Nicole. I was 21 years old, visiting my boyfriend. Before this happened, we often went to the gas station 10 minutes away from us for snacks, usually early in the morning. Now, we don't go to the gas station past midnight because of this incident. Anyway, do you remember when the clown sightings were happening last year? Because I sure do. It was Halloween, and like every other time when I spent the night with my boyfriend, we woke up at around two, maybe three in the morning. And that's usually when we were hungry and we were craving some chips. Now, my boyfriend and I are different types of paranoid, and this entered my type of paranoid. As we walked out of the house, it was way too quiet for my liking. The location where the house was, it's almost country, but there is a highway about five minutes down the road, and to get to a certain part of town, you have to take the exit that passes his house somewhat. I'd usually see about three or five cars passing just as we're walking out the door, but not that night. It was silent. Not even the wind was blowing or the usual sound of a car somewhere in the distance. Looking around, I decided we'd better get in my car. Maybe it was just the Halloween night getting to me. Now to get to this gas station, you basically have to act like you're heading to the highway, but instead of taking a right at the light, you take a left. On the other side of the light, you've got the high school and some apartments. High school's on the right side and apartments on the left. And in front of those apartments was a car wash, the type of manual car wash where you put quarters in and you get to wash your car by yourself. On the side we were on, there was a gas station that closes at midnight. Anyway, driving down the road, my boyfriend and I were making small talk. There wasn't much to talk about other than what the plans would be when we officially wake up in the morning. The light turned red, so I naturally stopped in the turning lane. As I felt uneasy the moment I stepped out the door, I was still observing my surroundings, taking everything in that I could. There still hadn't been another car on the road besides ours, which was only getting to me more and more. Then I turned and looked at the car wash. I saw a grayish dark truck parked there. It was in one of the washing bays, but wasn't being washed. It was weird, but I continued to look around some more. And that's when I saw a clown walking around the car wash. At first, it got my attention because it was weird until I saw another person wearing the clown suit. He was coming around the other side of the car wash and they both appeared to be holding knives. What the, I thought when I was interrupted. Babe, the light's green, my boyfriend said, as I got one final look at another clown who was now staring at my car. His face was lit up enough that I could see a painted smile on his face. There was a painted on smile, but his actual face wasn't smiling. He was giving me a cold, dead in the eyes stare. He tilted his head to the side like he was thinking. Then he for real smiled, a creepy big grin, probably because he realized I was looking at him. Then he waved something in front of his face. It was a baseball bat. I called my boyfriend's name, or more like whispered, and I used my head to point in the direction of those clowns. As soon as he noticed them, he screamed, we need to get the hell out of here. 
Hearing him scream like that, it brought me back to life. I kicked the car into reverse and pressed my foot to the gas. I made a U-turn and began driving back to the house, and just then I realized I'd left the door unlocked. I contacted one of my boyfriend's brothers. He wasn't happy about being woke up. I asked him to lock the door for us. He refused to do it until I told him what we just saw. Then we drove to the police station and told them everything. They didn't seem to care or they didn't believe us, but to this day, I want to know, what were they up to? And why did they have those weapons? Were they just trying to scare people? Or did they want to hurt them? I just never thought I'd have my own creepy clown sighting. And number 10, true trick-or-treating story, submitted by Lichika14. I was 14 and living in Virginia Beach. It was Halloween of 2016, so that meant it was the time of the year when you can dress like any fictional character you want, then go out and get candy from kind and friendly strangers. Well, that's what I always thought of it, until that year. It was just me and my friends that day. They were Jay, Angelo, and Josh. We had planned on going trick-or-treating that night, so we hit the suburbs for the first time to get those enormous candy bars. That year, we dressed in all black, looking like those maniacs from The Purge. Now, before we headed off into the suburbs, we didn't really know where this specific neighborhood was. All we knew is that it was the best one to go to. The place was more expensive and upper class. People there had more money for bigger candy bars, and that's all that mattered to us. I typed it into the GPS of my iPhone as best I could, it said they were 30 minutes away, so we took off. Along the way, we stopped at a local grocery store to get some drinks for the trip. When we walked in, the place was empty, except for the clerk in the front who was talking on his phone. We got to the drink aisle, and my friend said that there was a man with a beard following and eyeballing us. I didn't really care. They could have been pranking me for all I knew. It was the season for it, and even if they were telling the truth, it was probably just a man shopping for some last minute candy to give out. When we got out of the store, it was 6 p.m., so we had to get to the suburbs fast before trick-or-treating officially started around here. Otherwise, no full-size candy bars for us. My friend Angelo suggested that we cut through a forest that had a trail leading to the suburbs behind the grocery store. I didn't even know a shortcut existed, so we all agreed to take the shortcut. The sooner we arrived, the better. When we headed for the back of the grocery market, I felt like someone was following or watching us. I quickly shook it off and forgot about it. On we went into the forest. In the woods, it was very misty, probably from a lake or a pond nearby that I didn't know about. But to be honest, the whole scene kind of creeped me out. It looked like a forest from a scary movie. All in all, it just made us walk a little faster just to get out of those woods sooner. To pass the time, we began to tell ghost stories to each other. Then one of the guys ended up talking about the man they had seen in the market, saying how tall and dirty he was and how his beard looked disgusting. Then it got quiet for several awkward moments when out of nowhere, off to the side of the trail, we heard something. Psst. We were freaking out, yelling at each other, saying, why'd you do that? Are you trying to scare me? Then when it went quiet again, we heard something else. Hey, 
I've got some candy for you. And out from the bushes walked that tall, dirty, bearded man from the market. That's who I later figured out it was, as this was my first time seeing him. He had followed us all the way out here. For what reason? We all sprinted in different directions, heading straight off the path of the forest. I could barely see anything. The moonlight was mostly blocked off by the canopy, and then the next thing I know, I'm lying on the ground with my vision blurred, and my head was in agony. I had hit my head on a big oak tree, but now I wasn't alone. Someone was touching me up my chest and caressing my cheeks with their hands. When my vision slowly came back, I saw that it wasn't any of my friends. It was the man. He was sitting on me, touching me all over. He had this delighted look on his face that sent chills down my spine. I guess he didn't realize that I was conscious again because I kicked and screamed so suddenly that he fell back away off of me and I ran out of those woods until I hit the trail once more. There I found my friends calling for me and expecting the worst. Once we were together again, we called it a night. We didn't want to be out any longer. I especially wanted to just go home. I wanted to take a shower because I could still feel his hands touching me. What was he planning on doing if I had never come to that fast? But a bigger question remains on my mind. What had he already done to me while I was unconscious? As Halloween is here, I just want to give a warning to all of you. No scary threats or cliffhangers this time, just some words of caution. Please stay with your children or friends if you're going out this year. Bring something for protection, even if it's just pepper spray, and keep an eye out for the baddies that exist and will always exist. There's true evil in this world, so when it's time for fun and games, we need to be there to look out for each other. Before I go, I'd like to give a shout out to my newest patrons. They are Michael Legeth and Nicole Mueller Evans. Thank you both so much for doing that little extra to show your support. I appreciate it. Anyway, to all of you listening, stay safe out there, guys. Enjoy your candy and happy Halloween.